Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. It's not Motorcycles and Misfits, Liza. It is. No, well, it kind of is. It's kind of like the crazy cousin of Motorcycles <laughs> and Misfits. Well, this is the this is a special Patreon mini-sode just for our Patreon subscribers. So, if you're listening to this, thank you. Thank you for being a Patreon subscriber. And I would like to remind you as... Liza would as well. The only way you're going to listen to this is if you are a Patreon subscriber. So um, I think they know that. That's how they got here. Well, yeah, that's true. But, you know, I can still say thank you. <laughs> so when we were talking about good topics for minisodes. Yes, threatening. I think we were threatening to do certain topics. Yeah. And this, I had this topic just came to mind as something that I thought could be kind of interesting. I like those. I'm one of those people who loves those like facts and trivia about things that are in front of your face every day, but you right. never notice or think about. The thing I like the most about today's topic, and I'm going to let you introduce what it is. It's quirky. It's one of those really quirky things. And when you first mentioned it to me, I thought, oh God, anything but that. But on reflection, it's actually a lot cooler than it, we thought it, it was a long time is, ago. And it's so underappreciated. Yes. But here's the thing. Once you start getting into some of the details, it, as you said, it's fascinating. And I wanted to start talking about getting more into the finite details of something. And a lot of times we'll talk about, you know, a, a, a bike company. Right. Or, or a we haven't even gotten into a model of bike yet, but I wanted to go even further, even further, because I know in each of the components on a bike, there is engineering and design. Yes. And oftentimes it's, it's underappreciated or overlooked. Exactly. If I see a pair of grips on a motorcycle, I want to know what the engineer who designed them had for breakfast that day. Okay, that's taking it a little No, I, I, I think it's perfectly legitimate. <laughs> okay. So let's let's get to the topic. Um, this is something that comes uh, into the garage all the time because Regularly. it's on many Hondas. Many Hondas through the 70s and 80s, I believe. Yes, you're quite correct. Are all equipped with this. Do it. it. Say it. We're going to... This is... The topic is Comstar wheels. I now I know I know what you're thinking. <laughs> no, they're all groaning oh, right now. Oh, they're so ugly. Please bear with us because there is quite a story behind this. And wheel. there there is because if you think about what came before Comstar wheels. Right. Okay, well we're going to start there. So yeah, tell us about it, Emma. Well, um, what we're going to do is we're going to start at the very very beginning, and we're going to start with the crucible of motorcycle design. So if we go back to the turn of the century, when the earliest okay. motorcycle... Really? We're going that far we're back? We're going that far back because it's all relevant. So just bear with okay. me. When we go back to the earliest designs of motorcycles, they looked very much 
like bicycles they with engines on bicycles. because they were bicycles with engines. We're, we're going back to like wooden rims, aren't we? Well, yeah. here's where we're going to start getting kind of involved in the mechanics of the wheel. The absolute earliest bikes, this is 19th century, had wooden rims and they were terribly uncomfortable because there was no give in them. Most bicycles by the turn of the century were running on a spoked wheel. Right. And so conversely, the earliest motorcycles had just that, spoke wheels. Um, there's a reason for that. And the reason a spoked wheel gives an amount of flexibility. And lightness at the same time. Exactly. A solid wheel is a big, heavy thing. There's no giving it at all. Now, remember, tire technology, as we know it back then, was pretty much non-existent. Pneumatic tires were very, very, very early stages, invented by a Scotsman, Dunlop. Wow. He died penniless, but that's a story that for another day. That sounds like another story. That's a story for another day, but... Tire technology was very poor. There was no suspension technology on bicycles or indeed early motorcycles. So any kind of suspension you got was either through a marginally sprung seat or saddle and the spoked wheels. And this is the critical because the amount of flex you had in a spoke wheel just gave that little bit of extra comfort. So now, our Patreon subscribers are going, God almighty, Emma, when are we going to start talking about motorbikes? And in particular, Comstars. So, um, right around the mid-70s, the Japanese were dominant in manufacturing motorcycles um, that eclipsed the British. BSA had already gone. Norton were on their last legs by about 75. Triumph were going strong. Actually, forget that. Triumph weren't going strong. Triumph were hanging on by their fingertips. The company had been on strike. It had, a workers' collective had taken it over. They were just beginning to manufacture bikes again. I mean, it was pretty much all over. The Italian specialist manufacturers were going strong. You had Benelli, you had Motoguzzi. You had um, Ducati had just brought out the V-Twin. And there was a lot of forward thinking going on in wheel design there. But really, the volume manufacturers were the Japanese. And there were a couple of factors that involved the design and the way the design of wheel was going forward. First was ease of production. A wire wheel, a spoke wheel, is very labor-intensive to produce. Oh, yes. I've, I've spoked a wheel before. Exactly. You can manufacture a rim on a production line. You can manufacture a hub on a production line. You can manufacture spokes on a production line. But the weakest link in the chain is always going to be the guy who sits there and laces them up. Now, trust me, if you're doing that 40 hours a week, week in, week out, you're going to get pretty quick, but you're not going to be as quick as a machine. So that was factor one. Factor two, the weakness of a spoke rim is it has to take a tube. Now, mm, right. a couple of our subscribers are going to throw their hands up in the air and say, well, hang on, there are bikes that have tubeless spoke wheels, and they'd be quite right. BMW Adventure bikes 
have spoke wheels and the Jubilees. A couple of Honda um, endurance racers, Paris-Dakar bikes, had Tubeless tyres with spoke rims. But these are very, very specialist rims. What I'm talking about is the rims that you got on CB750s, Z1s, uh, Yamaha 650s, all things like that. These are just conventionally spoke rims, and they have to have a tube. Now, the tyre manufacturers, Dunlop, Bridgestone, Avon, were all coming out with a range of tubeless tyres. Now, in my opinion, one of the greatest safety features that came out of the 70s were tubeless tyres. When you hit a nail in a tyre, which is carrying a tube, it goes bang, and it goes flat immediately. With a tubeless tyre, it's going to go flat, but it's going to give you that edge. It's going to give you that mushy feeling to get you by the side of the road. If you were doing over 70 miles an hour in the early 70s, a blowout was potentially going to be fatal, if not for you, if for your bike. Tubeless tyres changed that. So, we're getting back, finally getting back to Honda. Right. Honda wanted a modern wheel that was easy to produce, but was able to carry a tubeless tyre. And has the same advantages of the spoked wheel. Which is the flexibility. And that's where we went back to the very inception of design. Japanese bikes, well, somebody said, well, hang on. By now, um, all motorcycles had front and rear suspension. Why on earth would you want to build any flexibility into the wheel? Why not just have a very solidly cast wheel? Well, there's a very good reason for that, is any of you who've actually ridden a mid-70s superbike will know that the frames were actually pretty flexible. Um, that A lot of them felt like they actually had a hinge in the middle. And if you had an absolutely solid cast wheel, it really would compound the problems of the flexible frame. By introducing that little bit of flex into the wheel and carrying being able to carry a tubeless tire now not all comstarts carried tubeless tires but they were designed to you really had the best of the both worlds and so that was the idea behind the comstar wheel and it became uh, honda's corporate wheel i mean this is how you identified a honda what was the first bike it showed up on? Well, the first bike that really carried the Comstar wheels was the Honda Hawk design. Um, it was called the Hawk in America. In England, it was called the Dream. It came out in 76, and it was the first production bike to carry the, those wheels. It was a really innovative bike in a lot of respects. Honda had had a really... Bulletproof, but extremely lackluster. Single overhead cam, 250 and four, uh, 360 twin. They were getting pretty long in the tooth by 75. Um, they were kind of getting left behind by the other manufacturers. It was essentially an updated 1960s design. So they went back to the drawing board. They designed very, very high-tech for the time, three-valve engine, had two intake valves, one exhaust valve, 
dead counterbalancers. It's a very, very smooth running engine. Five-speed transmission on the 400, six-speed on the 250. And they wanted something new in the rolling stock department to go with all this engine technology. So the Comstar wheel was born. And it, it, it was seen on many, many models, but that was the first street model. It had appeared before then. Yeah, and this is something that really surprised me. At, on a production racer. Exactly. And that was the proving ground because Honda have always done this and they've done this from day one. They prove things on the racetrack and they put it into production. Uh, it's listed as the FIM European Motorcycle Endurance Championship winning RCB-941. Right. Never heard of that bike. Yeah. It's, a, it, it's an amazing bike. It was actually built for Suzuka, the 24-hour race in Suzuka, but it did rather well at the Baldor in France, which is another 24-hour race. Big beast of a thing. Um, and that's where the wheels were first seen. But back then, this was an exotic race bike. Nobody expected that to go into production. But the fact that Comstar Wheels has a racing heritage. It has a racing heritage. That's what's brilliant. Listen, if you stride your leg over any Honda, whether it's the design of the camshaft, whether it's the design of the wheel, or a particular angle in the frame, it's got a racing heritage. This is what they do. So, first production bike production bike remember with the comstar wheels was the 250 and 400 twins of 76 that wheel would eventually show up on and this is just a few yeah the 754s but not the k model the f model which were the super sports mm -hmm. the right. cbx6 of yes. course which was the most famous use of that wheel now and it's because of the CBX that I found out who the designer of the, the Comstar wheel was. It's kind of hard. But did you find out what he had for breakfast that day? I can take a good shot at it. <laughs> Probably had a croissant. Oh. <laughs> With um, Nutella. There you go. <laughs> Where, Honda don't actually assign individual designers to a project. It it. it generally part of a team and the directive comes down from corporate and they say this is what we want to achieve and then this is the team that they assign to it um head of design on the motorcycle division in the mid 70s was tadashi kume now if we have any japanese listeners please forgive my appalling with japanese but he was the head of design I've seen that design team's work on the CBX. I've seen it on the 400. I know that those guys were involved in the Comstar wheel. And I pinned it down further. I'm going to stick my neck out and say the actual designer of the Comstar wheels was a guy called Namoto Otsuka. He became very famous in later years on the design of the CBX. And the CBX was an across-the-frame six-cylinder bike. And they were having problems with the width of the engine and the width of the carburetors getting in the, in the rider's knee's way. So um, Otsuka famously put a V in the carburetors 
And it was a massive engineering masterpiece because it, it's very easy to make a bank of six carburetors in a straight line. But when you put them in a V, that takes some doing. I've seen his work on that. And I look at the Comstar wheel and the design concept of the Comstar wheel. I know it was him. If you're listening, please call in and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> or if you know what he had for breakfast. Exactly. And tell us what you had for breakfast on that day. So. Oh, and I want to give honorable mention to the CX500, a bike that I love. Oh, I didn't want to mention the also CX500. with the Comstar wheel. Well, there you go. Um, you know, the CX500 was an extremely popular bike in the day. You know, you can slice it and dice it any way you want. Um, they were really quite durable, although the very first ones were terrible. Um, but they were so popular back in the day. And, of course, they carried the Comstar wheel. So, And there were other bikes uh, with the Comstar Racing Heritage. It didn't yes. stop there. Yeah. Well, the Comstar, for the street... Generally, what you got, and we'll deal with Generation 1 Comstar wheels, because they went through four or five generations, but a Generation 1 Comstar wheel was an aluminum rim with a bright anodized coating, and that was actually farmed out to a company called DID. DID, you may... The brake pad people. They make brake pads, yeah. they make chains, yeah. they make wheel rims. Yeah. So you had the rim. You had a steel spoke with a very, very bright zinc finish on it. And the finish on the spokes was virtually un unbreakable. It was an amazing finish. And then you had a cast aluminum hub. Of course, I'd call it aluminium, darling, but we won't go into that. And then everything was bolted together with actually triangular bolts, which were designed as tamper-proof with rivets between the spoke tips and the rim. And they finished it off. There was a black plastic boot that went over the rivets at the rim end of the spoke. It's all, all in all, it made for actually a very, very handsome wheel. Very easy to manufacture. Very distinctive. It was absolutely the, hon the look Honda wanted for. Could run them with tubeless tires. And you had that little degree of flex. So everything trucked along. This is 77. 78, they remained unchanged. 79, the boots had gone. The little black plastic boots that covered the rivets had gone. And the Generation 2s came in. And what they did in Gen 2s, first off, they started painting the spoke and the center part of the rim a, a different color. It may have been gold. More, more often than not, it was black. Again, they used that 250 and 400 platform as the introduction to that, but not the CBs, the CMs, which was the mm -hmm. cruiser version. Right. Um, it had a high handlebar, step seat, that were extremely popular in the late 70s. And that was the first incarnation of Gen 2 Comstars. What they did after that, they actually reversed the spoke to give it a more mechanical look. And the best way to describe reversing the spoke, if you looked at a Comstar wheel from the side, the spoke was quite smooth and it curled away from you. When you reverse the spoke, 
it became the spokes became dished and again they painted it in black or gold and then highlighted the edges of the spokes it gave it a very very flashy look updated it strength was it the same the difference between the racer versions and the street versions the spokes were steel on the street versions on the racers they were alloy if you had enough money to buy a CBX back in the 70s, which was Honda's flagship, you would also get aluminum rims on a CBX. So it was very much the special, special, special rim. So three generations, some say four, but really it was just, it was just color choices. They lasted until the mid-80s. Yeah, not very long, considering it, the racing heritage. Right. Eight years is, you know, it's it, you can regard it in the motorcycle industry as a long time, but really it's just a heartbeat. And do you know why? Well, they were simply, they were replaced. As they said, the, um, the, the how, how do you say, the metallurgy the, got better. Exactly. And that's why they were able to go to the cast wheels. Exactly, which were cheaper still to produce and far easier to produce less pieces less pieces although to be fair on comstars i mean i'm going back now to when they first came out they're ugly and i would like to say though they are ugly as they sit but i like it when you take them off and powder coat them have it all one color right be it gold black exactly whatever when it's one color i i like them and i would argue that we called them ugly back in the day, but time's actually been pretty kind to them. And as with a lot of designs, I think the Generation 1, the original design with the bright rim, the bright spokes, and the little black boots over the rivets, is actually the most handsome. They are very, very distinctive, and they are actually quite handsome. So we can put that to one side. What was the other argument? Ah, they'll come apart at speed. No. They were extremely reliable in service. I can't think of one instance when I ever heard of a Comstar coming apart. They were tough. And they were tough in crashes as well, um, where a, a normal spoke wheel would fold up or even an, a, an alloy wheel would break. Comstars, they took a lot of bending. They were an extremely tough wheel. I think um, the reason that they're underappreciated is because they're very dated to that certain era, um, whereas the spoke wheels, a lot of people want to have something that has that vintage flair, even right. though technically 70s is vintage, but I think that's why they don't get the love that exactly. they Exactly. You know, there were a lot of changes going on in the motorcycle industry in the late 70s and early 80s, and a lot of the bikes that were truly beloved were going through some fundamental changes. The Z1, the Z900s were going away, and the new generation of Kawasaki's were coming in. Very blocky styling. The single overhead cam Hondas were going away, and twin cam Hondas were coming in, and they weren't as well received. So it was a time of great change and turmoil. And I think Comstars were swept up in that. I think I'd like to finish with... Very, very misunderstood. Looking back, they're actually a lot cooler than people say. You know, and when you attach a name like Freddie Spencer to them, who 
Oh, they were on his on NSR the, 400, you uh, betcha. What, 500, was it? NSR 500? Yep. Yeah, with that Freddie Spencer Road. Now, so next time you take a look at a bike with those Comstar wheels, and before you say, ah, I want to get some new wheels for this. You think about the heritage behind it. Exactly. And I'd like to finish, and I am going to finish right now. Would you like to hear the controversy? Yeah. There is controversy. Honda was sued over Comstar wheels by a com- an English company based in Sheffield called Dawson Harmsworth. And Dawson Harmsworth... That sounds like a made-up name, just so you know. No, I'm saying I'm Mr. Dawson Harmsworth, and I'm going to sue you over your will. That's, that's actually a... Uh, what do they say? A dramatic re- reproduction of what went... <laughs> yeah. Dawson Harmsworth um, made a composite wheel, which looked not dissimilar to the Comstar. Um, Mm. It was for racing only, although it did actually show up on a production bike in the 80s called Hesketh. The um, wheel went under the name of the Astralite wheel. And Dawson Harmsworth sued Honda because they said, we came out with this first based on the production. What they didn't factor in was realizing that Honda had actually predated them by putting them on the production racer. And ultimately, the lawsuit was thrown out. And besides, if you look at an Astralite wheel and a Comstar wheel, you'll, you'll realize, although they're similar, they're, they're not similar enough to win a lawsuit. But that's the controversy. So, yeah, appreciate them. They're better than you think. Nice. Well, thank you, Emma. That that is fascinating. And I just want to give a thanks again to our Patreon subscribers. I hope that you enjoyed this little nugget. And uh, maybe you'll have a little more appreciation for Comstar Wheels. Very good. All right. Thanks. Thanks.